You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, my name is Peter Bond, and I make creature puppet films for a living. Overcoming years of severe depression and medication caused by a head injury at the age of eight, Peter Bond rediscovered his creativity in adulthood after having kids. He's gone on to create award-winning creatures, plays, and films, and has been featured on Jimmy Kimmel Live and PBS's Indie America. Here's my chat with Peter Bond. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Yeah, so uh, my name is Peter Bond and I make uh, creatures and creature film for a living. All right, so how does somebody get started doing creature making and creature film making? Uh, someone gets started by by uh, finding a lot of books and tutorials and um, just devouring them and, and, and learning a lot. Uh, from the tutorials and then buying a bunch of different type of materials from fabric to foam latex to silicone and figuring out how to, how they all work. <laughs> you've been at this for a while though, right? Like you've been at it for longer than YouTube has been available to us, if I'm reading correctly. Uh, so I used to sell real estate for like a long time and I hated it in it. Uh, after having kids, I like kind of went into a severe depression because some medical, yeah, I don't know, psychological issues. And uh, I finally started taking medication for it. And um, like shortly after that, it just kind of opened up the, the create, creative side of my brain or unshackled it or something. Um, and, and so I really, then I started playing with puppets with my son and I just really got into, just really got fascinated by it. And, and I was when I was a kid. Uh, but I but I had a head injury when I was a kid, and that kind of just kind of I don't know it it messed me up for a while. So I kind of came back to what I was when I was a kid after finally getting in on, on this medication that kind of um, fixed my brain chemistry. Uh, so, uh, but but yeah. So then, so uh, I I don't know. I just I made some I made some sock puppets with my son, and then made some fabric puppets with my son. Got some patterns from a cool place called Project Puppet, uh, which has just some kind of basic um easy to use tutorials and um and, and uh instructions on how to make like a muppet muppety style puppet um i quickly grew out of that i wasn't a super big fan of sewing um and uh picked up some books on uh, there's a great book called uh, uh special effects for stage and screen by todd debrasini and yes yeah, so yes this was this was before youtube not not the existence of it, but before everybody was showing you how to do everything on YouTube. They didn't have any tutorials on YouTube. So, I, But I did find this book, and I was like, it was like fantastic. It is like the most in-depth, it's like a Bible of how and what to do with all these different materials. Um, and then then once you have this Bible and this kind of instruction manual on how to, how to use them, then it's just all about spending money on materials and, you know, fucking them up a bunch and and wasting and wasting time and uh you know just failing a billion t- billion times and then kind of starting to put together some decent looking um pieces yeah so that's kind of how i got started and, oh, and there was the, uh, i did the, there's like the beginning of the stan winston school online they started doing some classes i think maybe a year or two after i uh, kind of got into it so it was good timing i did some, some courses there on like monster suit building and um uh, met some cool guys. They met met a cool Canadian there actually. Um, uh, Tom Stewart. Uh, he's a puppet guy in Canada. 
And um, yeah, so I mean, that's how I got started. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious about why you got started into puppets at all. I mean, it's, I, you know, I've got a four-year-old kid and I'm not into puppets. Like, were you always into creatures? Were you always into... I don't know, was, was there like movies that you were super into as a kid or something that really inspired you to kind of go down this path? It's weird. Um, I had, a head, so so like I said, I had a head injury when I was a kid. And so it just seriously um, uh, derailed, I think, my path for a long time. So it, it's kind of hard to know what it was. But yeah, I do remember when I was a kid, I was, but I don't know if all kids are into, into that sort of stuff. You know, it's like, um, so I wasn't, I wasn't very focused as like a adolescent or anything like that, but I did do like a cartoon strip, uh, that I got into like some college papers and stuff when I was in, in, in high school, early high school. So, I mean, I did kind of enjoy stories and creating characters and things like that. Um, so, so I, I kind of, I, I have some glimpses of like the things that I like doing now. I, I like have just glimpses of things that I used to do once in a while. But no, I mean, it wasn't like a, a major passion or anything. It was, it was, you know, I was an, I was an adult for like t- a good 10 years or so and had kids and stuff and uh, had all this stress and anxiety. And, and then, and then after I decided I hated that, my, and my, my wife was going to go uh, to nursing school so I could stop doing this thing that I hated. Uh, yeah. And like I said, it was just, yeah. So I have, so I have, um, I have OCD and ADD. And so I think uh, you can either, you know, be haunted by that or you can take, you know, hopefully find medication that works and then you, you still have it, but like you can focus it, I guess. So I, so I focused it, you know, I was like, so I was like, yeah, I like doing this and I want, I'm, I'm obsessed now. I'm, I'm going to take this OCD and I'm going to go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is this something that like you've given up real estate entirely? Do you make puppets and make creatures all the time? Is that your main job? Yeah. So the what what the deal was was um, we, you know we made we made a big change in life and it was I, I was I, my wife was stay was stay at home. I was making enough money you know to support the family doing real estate, which is which is first off like the worst possible career for somebody like me. I have no idea how I got into that <laughs> because I'm like such an introvert. I hate socializing. Uh, but I don't know, whatever it worked. Um, but yeah, it was like, a, I, it wasn't a nine to five. It was like, I got to work for myself. And that was, I think the main, the main key. Cause I hate, I hated working for, um, I hate, I hated being uh, shackled to like a, a time, you know, yeah, like a being in an office and stuck at the yeah. desk, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that might be the ADD, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it was just so in the, and sorry, I do ramble a bit, but, um, it's a podcast. We all so, ramble. It's the whole okay. format is built for rambling. We're fine. Yeah, there you go. You're going to have to edit a lot, of, a lot of edits. I'll be like, yes, I was going to the store. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I just made it. I was done with I was done. And, and I, so I made a deal with my wife. It, um, you know, I, I still had some things, you know, some things I was able to generate a little bit of money, you know, just kind of like the last bits of my real estate career were still sort of. Uh, alive and i was closing a few things here and there but i slowed down dramatically and was like i'm just gonna let this stuff kind of die out we'll get what we can out of you know whatever we put into it but um so but but we we had some savings and so it was enough for her to go to school and me to kind of transition into the stay-at-home dad uh instead of being the stay-at-home mom so that's that that was really my job so as far as my job it was i'm a stay-at-home dad and i do this stuff you know i do this stuff for fun um 
And it was all kind of about just playing with the kids at first, you know, making some puppets and playing with the kids. Uh, and then it was about, uh, I thought it would be cool to do like a, a show for the kids, like a stage play for the kids where, you know, they had these like kind of, like, cause I was kind of making, I made a few decent looking creatures, uh, like, you know, um, star Wars, the, uh, Jim Henson, you know, creature type stuff. They weren't just puppets. And I was like, Hey, it'd be cool if kids could like get up close and interact and, you know, touch, touch some of these characters and really, you know, um, get, get up close. Not like you can in, in the, you know, when they're on the screen. And, um, so I, you know, I, I broached that idea to some local theaters and, um, you know, they, they were like, well, yeah, I mean, it's a good idea, but you gotta, you gotta write something first, you know, you gotta write a play if you want to do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fine. So I'll, you know, let me learn how to do that. So I, so I, so I wrote a play and like set it up where we had all these like pr- projected background images and stuff. So we could do like a science fiction thing where things are moving and we're on the spaceship. Oh, so you basically were doing like the, all, all the VR backdrop stuff that the Mandalorian's getting all, yeah, all, all the clout yeah, yeah. for. You, you, you originated that already years ago for theater, right? Yeah. So then that, that's how they got the idea to me. They saw my show and they're like, "That's cool." Uh, Star Wars is yeah, no, stealing but, from that's, us. Yeah, basically that is it. That's the, that that was the setup. I was like, why have you know? Uh, why have just these these background or you know uh, background set pieces when I could have them moving? You know, especially if we're in space. Um. Yeah, yeah. So I did that, and uh, I could then, and then they wouldn't put it on. <laughs> so oh, really? I, so After I, like, you put the whole thing together, they wouldn't actually mount your show. Yeah, yeah. I put the thing together, and then they're like, they like no one ever got back to me. So I ended up going to like this. Uh, I was like, like this has been like the you know par for the course in my in my life is like it's just been well fine if you're not going to let me do it, I'll do it myself. So I, I found like a, a community center that would let me just have the mp room or something for like a weekend and so i set up all these like lights uh, you know I, be- I made like lights out of uh, spotlights out of uh oatmeal box uh things and, and like lights and stuffed them in and i didn't realize actually what we- i was using leds at first and uh i think at one point i switched to like incandescent and we were doing a rehearsal and my actor just all of a sudden starts screaming <laughs> Apparently, he was the hot glue was getting dripped onto his scalp, <laughs> and, like burnt his scalp. Because I was like, "Oh shit!" I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I had made those with hot glue. <laughs> oh man, see, this is what happens when you're in a non-union show, non-equity, right, and you yeah, know, exactly. you get glue on your head, and you, you can't even go to your rep. Right. You don't, yeah, we don't have a cardboard insurance company. Yeah. So that's uh, so, so that's kind of, and now now I've diverted from the question i think but that's kind of where i got started was was just we, we you know i wanted to do the play um so i did it and it was great it was it was a lot of fun you know um we had a like really big turnout um the kids really had a blast uh which was the main thing and they you know they ooed nod and laughed at all the right points and i was like you know it's great okay i think i did a you know a decent story here and i i think i had some um, how did they know to come like how did you let people know that there's this you know random puppet creature play that's going on in in, in the the MP room. What did I do? I had like, so the, I think the, the parks department had, I think it was mostly like friends and family, to be honest. It was like, you know, my kids were in school. So we had like just a, a giant number of people with kids, you know, that we knew at that. It was kindergarten. Everybody was interacting and stuff. It's not like now when we don't see anybody, but um, so it, was, it was just good timing. It was just good timing. So we just told everybody in school and stuff. And so I think mostly it was just that. Um, 
we did at later points try and uh, as that crowd was like we've seen it you know we're probably you know we've seen it we're not going to come back for the second show um the the crowd definitely dwindled and we were uh, trying to actually find you know a new audience and uh i remember dressing up in one of the giant creature suits i had and like this um this walking puppet uh that i had on a leash and uh, a couple of various things. I had a bunch of my actors go out with me to, to a Sacramento Zoo out, out in front of the zoo. I was like, ah, oh, that's where family's hanging out. And we handed out flags and stuff. And we generated like one one audience member out of that uh, to a show of like four or five people. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was fun. I th- it was it was an interesting time in my life, but it was not in any way successful. And uh, it was it was a lot of work. It was too much work for uh, not enough. So so what happened, um, you know, after, you know, mounting the show, having some success, having some notoriety and then seeing the audiences kind of dwindle and stuff like that. Like what, how did you pivot at that point? What did you do next? So I think so. Actually, it was uh, so we'd kind of given up. And then um, uh, shortly as I was like done, uh, we, we did get an offer to do one more show at this new theater that was opening up there was the nonprofit. they were they're opening up they had like a nice stage a nice lights and stuff and i was like and they're gonna pay me so they, they, they paid me and i was um to just put on like a couple of shows um uh free shows for for kids and stuff which which also not a lot of people showed up to those i'd say maybe 20 or so so it was it was a small crowd but um they had uh so we put together a, you know another nice show on a, on a nice theater and it was fun to do it actually in a in a theater uh, on a nice stage with lights, but you know, lights that weren't made out of cardboard boxes. And, um, we, we did that and I had that and, and I ended up having a new actor, uh, in, in one of the roles and we had just been doing it. And we knew that we knew the, the script so well, um, that I just, Oh no, no. Okay. So yeah. So let me go back. So, so I think after the in, initial play run, I then kind of got into writing. So, so the, the, the having to write the theater, the stage play got me into wanting to write screenplays. So I wrote some screenplays just in one of them I kind of liked and um, got accepted into this local uh, access TV festival thing they have. And um, so I, 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 it was like the first one that I had done. And, I, and so I directed that. I got together with some people and directed that. And just I, I like had a had a blast. I loved it. So um, I, I was like, wow, I really like film. I think I want to keep doing film now, you know. Um, and I think I did another short after that, and I and I got to use the creatures uh, in it, which again was was really fun. Um, and then we get, and so then then fast forward, we get the call to do the the other uh, version of Galaxy Express on the at this new theater. And our new actor, uh, with with the new actor who I had grown close to in doing some of the other stuff, some of the other film work that we had done, and um, so we we did that we did that run of Galaxy Quest the play, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, hey, we you know we know all the lines, you know, you guys are fresh. How about we shoot like how about we make this into a film, you know, and just shoot a film version of this of a pilot episode. And I was kind of thinking on small scale, I was like, you know, we'll just shoot it like, you know, as if it's the play, um, you know, sort of like a, a three camera sitcom um, instead of a one camera setup. And uh, that, that was my that was my initial idea. But then um, I was like, 
talking to the Wall of America, Jimmy Kimmel guys, um, the producers there. I just signed up for Wall of America or whatever. And then I was showing them my puppets and they wanted to do like a more special kind of skit because um, I had this Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel puppet. Um, and so they wanted to do like one of their, um, I don't know if you know it, but it's these uh, in between commercial breaks. Sometimes they have this like viewer of the week or something. And so I did, I did one of those skits with them and, uh, and I kind of had, you know, I had talked to the head writer and I was talking to the, you know, one of the producers and stuff. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Since these guys are like, I have their ear for a second and I have their phone numbers here. Let's just make this like, let's like go all out on galaxy express and make this like legit. Um, so, uh, rather than doing it, like just, a, you know, just like a stage setup. I was like, we're going to build it 360. You know, we're going to do the whole thing. So ended up building, you know, a bunch of flats and making them into make making it into a full 360, you know, space station, and um, and you know, making so yeah, so we just did it right. You know, I just built all the all these props and all this all, all these set pieces and all these um, uh, walls and um, flats and uh, yeah, and then and then we shot it shot it right and did like a legit film. So. So what's the state of it right now? Because I know you've got a, a Kickstarter up running right now. Yeah. yeah. So the state of it right now is that, uh, so it's, it's completely filmed. Um, it's completely edited uh, with the exception of the VFX. So <laughs> it was like my first real film. And I was like, hey, I'm going to do a film with like 200, uh, you know, composition clips. That's not a, that's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, and, and we didn't, we didn't unfortunately we didn't do it. i was like i'll just you know green screen it i know how to use key light and we'll just we'll just key that out and you know not gonna be a problem at all and unfortunately we didn't do a really good job on it we you know it was the uh, as far as that goes we had a lot of spill and i don't know that there's a solution to be honest i mean i'm not I, I can't honestly say that had we been more prepared we would have you know had a had a solution because we were in a small space too it was a garage two-car garage there's only so much distance we can get from that screen um so there, there was probably always going to be some problems but basically that's where we're at right now yeah so I, I i was able to do pretty much everything but there's i, I realized there was some vfx and uh, compositing things that are just a bit out of my uh, uh skill set um so yeah so now we're so now we're doing the the, the kickstarter to, to raise a little bit of money just to finish that off and, and so then, once you do get it done what what's the next step for this thing i mean you've got it in the can you've got it cut let's say you you know once you get your your vfx all finished off where's it heading what's it going to do for you yeah um so uh i i want to do you know the festivals i think i got to find out what what the right festivals are um and you know the ones that actually are are worth doing where you know i could actually go to them and maybe meet some people and are there pro puppet festivals are there ones where like this kind of stuff is really going to shine there's such a the audience is so weird with puppets because you say puppets and people automatically assume like Muppets, you know, or, or hand puppets, you know, marionettes or something like that. Um, so it's such a hard sell. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not that like it's, it's labyrinth or dark crystal or star Wars or gremlins, you know, um, they're creatures. They're not, you know, they are puppets technically, but yeah, they're not, they're not puppets in that sense. Um, so I don't know. I think I think I think like sci-fi, probably sci-fi festival or something like that would be the thing. Um, 
and I don't, I don't know where they are. Right. I mean, I know they exist. I know there, there are good ones that exist. I just haven't got there yet where, where I've researched it, but that, but that's the plan. You know, I want to show up to those places, see, see how, who I can meet, see what kind of connections I can make. And then, um, but it's, it's, so it's a short, but it's also a pilot. So it's like 28 minutes. Um, and that, that's the idea. It's like, here's, here's the pilot episode. You know, we, we shot it ourselves. Let me show it to some people who might matter or give a shit. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll work. <laughs> they see success is really just that, that intersection between might matter and give a shit. That's right. basically, <laughs> if you can find that Venn diagram and you're the third, your, your, your work is the third part of that Venn diagram. That's, that's the key. There you go. Um, that little sliver. So the idea then, I guess, is, is hopefully you wind up selling the piece itself and like getting ideally what commission to do more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, shit, I did it for like, you know, four grand. So, and I, well, I mean, I guess not the VFX, we'll have to figure out what the, t- <laughs> the price tag is, but I mean, it, you know, even under 30 grand, that's not, um, you know, that's not the worst that, you know, I mean, we could do more episodes easy for, um, you know, and that, that, but that's the cost of, so anyways, yeah, I could do it cheap is the point. So I could do it for cheap. So I don't know if that's appealing to people in, in the industry or not. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, that's just an area I'm, I'm totally unfamiliar with. So. Yeah, I mean, I think people want cost efficiency in, you know, the producers and, and broadcasters want cost efficiency, but I think not at the expense of quality. Like, I think that you know, right. the idea is you make something good, it's going to generate money for all the people right. involved by way of advertisers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of a, you know, talking with a lot of creators over the years and specifically in, you know, film and television type of world, I think a lot of creators are really interested in telling everybody how little it costs. But mm-hmm. that's like saying to somebody, hey, do you want to buy my car? You know, it's really cheap. And then and nobody's going to want to buy the cheap car. But if you tell them you actually have a, a car that's great value, then you right. then you've got then you pique their interest. You tell me, yeah, I've got I've got this. Right, right, right. That's yeah, car, yeah, no, I, I that's, like, that's a very good point, I think. Yeah, you don't want it. So yeah, saying and I've heard that before that like, you know, Hey, check out this movie. It was only made for this much money. That's kind of a turnoff. It's like, oh well, no, I don't. You know, that's okay. <laughs> well, that's. I think. I think there's a very select few like who who find that bit of information really interesting, right? Like, I like the idea of knowing that something was cheap enough to make that it's within reach for somebody to make it. You know what I mean? Especially right. for new filmmakers and for new TV, you know, uh, makers and creators and video makers. Like, it does have to be cheap enough for them to be able to make it. So that they can actually try to tell their stories, but at the same time, I think really most viewers are just interested in: is it good? Yeah, totally. and I and I'm there too. I, I'm totally like I, I see those those films, and, you know, on YouTube or uh, with the the sci-fi one. Um, but you know, and and I get turned off, you know, if it's not if it's not you know either. But I mean, generally, I think it's the story. You know, I don't think it, I. It's rarely the the production value that turns me off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, let's be fair. We've all watched that. I mean, you watch the old Star Treks, for example, it's like they're, you know, production value wise, they're unwatchable. It, it's, it's ridiculous. It's clearly cardboard everywhere and stuff like that. But you know, the stories were great. The ridiculous acting is excellent to watch. You actually buy into the silliness of the world that they've created. And so you can get into yeah, it, it, you know, can't, you know, it's campy a bit or um, like uh Red Dwarf, are you familiar with Red yeah, Dwarf? Yeah, Red Dwarf was excellent. And I mean, that couldn't have been made for more than $3 an episode. Right. <laughs> and it literally, I think everything was actually cardboard. I think the costumes were cardboard. I think everybody had, you know, molten glue dripping on them all the time. But it was so bloody funny. It was so ridiculous. And the stories were so odd and fresh and different. 
that when you see it the first time, you're like, this is just amazing. I mean, it's like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy falls under that, Doctor Who. I mean, all of those old BBC shows that were done, you know, in the in the 60s and 70s and stuff, that were done on a dime, but the stories were so extraordinary. They really found their audiences. They really got people, and they had the ridiculous creatures. Um, I always laugh with my brother. There's one Doctor Who monster I remember that was, was named a drosh egg, and it was actually just a refiguring of the word dish rag because it's all it was made out of. It was dish rags. You know, it's like, you know, there's all this opportunity for creativity when the budgets are low, when things, when you have to be really, you know, innovative and, and stuff. But at the end of the day, your audience really just cares. Is, is it great? Is it fun? Right. Is it awesome? You know? Well, and that's a good point. I was thinking that recently that um, what, what is it about these, um, these, you know, CG heavy films, you know, Marvel films and whatnot that I'm not kind of connecting with. And I was thinking that if I was, if I'm, I'm writing a story um, and I can do whatever the fuck I want because I know they'll just make it, you know, they'll just make it happen. Um, it sort of limits your creativity because even though your, your creativity is open to whatever you want, you don't have those opportunities where you have those limits where you have to come up with something creative, you know? So yeah, you have all this freedom, but there's no, there's nowhere to, you know, be creative in, in, in filmmaking, you know? Yeah. You have, so you can be creative in the writing, but in the filmmaking, that's not creative because you're not like, I don't know. It's not, it's not hard. You know, there's nothing, nothing difficult that somebody can ooh and awe about. They're just like, yeah, they did whatever. Like, you know, $50 million on the computer. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. If you don't have something you're trying to overcome, it can be awfully difficult to even relate. I mean, for your average everyday person to, to think of a Marvel movie. I mean, I don't think it's until the credits that people actually appreciate the vastness of what goes oh, on yeah, in a Marvel yeah. movie or in some high-end CG thing, when you see that there's about 30 minutes of credits and about, th and, and what, thousands, 1,500 people were involved. And you know what I mean? Like there's somebody who is just in, just in charge of the red coloring of the, you know, Iron Man suit. You're like, what the yeah. hell? And that's, I think, when people understand some of the scope and stuff like that. Truthfully, nine times out of 10, I think the amazing part is the project management side of it. I don't know how they actually managed to wrangle all those people to get all that stuff right. together. You're right. Yeah. 100%. But the imagination side, I mean, you just, you, it, it's been seen time and again. You don't need that type of scope in order to capture an audience. I think that, I mean, I like those movies. I grew up on those Marvel comics. Like, I actually read them all growing up, and those were all my, you know, my stories. And, uh, you know, so I like them because they've come to life, and I think they've done them justice, and they've done, you know, they've created a good world and stuff. But it's not necessary. I mean, I also just watched The Princess Bride the other day with my three-year-old, and there's no special effects in that of any note. I mean, there's the giant rats that come out of nowhere and attack them in the fire swamp. And it's all practicals. It's a guy in a rat suit. I mean, it's a ridiculous right. thing. And uh, and it doesn't take away from it at all. No. You, know, you don't care. There's a suspension of disbelief, yeah. you know. And as a kid, you're not thinking there's a guy in the rat suit. Yeah. So, sometimes <laughs> it can go too far and it goes into the camp land. Sure. But, uh, but, but that's not, I don't think Princess Bride, I wouldn't say it's campy. It's It's fun. I, yeah, I thought I thought it was you know pitch perfect. I thought it was it was it, it knew what it was doing all the way through. Like it understood its humor. It it let you in. It broke the wall when it needed to, but not all the way. You know that kind of a thing. And and so I mean I think again if everybody if if the actors if the director if the you know the editor if everybody along the way is telling the same story and has a, a solid understanding of what they're trying to do. You can have a ridiculous tale, you can have a weird world or whatever else, but people can buy into it. They can join you there. You know, it doesn't have to be 100% believable 
like that, you know, that the, the tricorder actually works for me to believe. It. Right. You just yeah. rely on the excellent acting of Sir Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's in, there's, there's a rawness too. When you, when you take out those things, when you, when you put people in scenarios where they have to be like, okay, well, I'm going to make this believable. Right. Um, because I have to, and I don't have this, you know, giant budget where they can just budget on the computer. But yeah, I and 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 just in, in the difference too. Like I feel like if it's if it's a real thing, you have individual individuality in it. You know, you're like that. I can I can dis- distinctly separate that film from this other film. Whereas you know, I'm looking at some of these CG things, and I'm like, I don't, you know. I don't know who the artist is and that there's not like one artist that had a particular vision on that. That's just like, you know, um, a giant mesh of what, how many thousands of artists actually it's crazy. Your experience with, with online tools and online environments like Kickstarter specifically, how are you finding that? Is that doing what you needed to do? And what's the ups and downs of, of trying to fund that way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kickstarter. So I, I did try, uh, funding uh a while back a couple months six months back i think on my own uh kickstarter um and i just you know i was like oh you know i'll just i'll do this i thought i, I you know i had finished the trailer and i thought the trailer looked really cool i had actually spent some money to get those vfx done just these couple of clips i needed and um came up with this i don't know what i thought was a cute like a choose your own adventure type story you know where we do some videos and they'd help us get to uh, they'd help the captain of the ship get to this one spot and you could choose you know which direction you would take uh, at different courses um and it didn't do it didn't do very we were only asking for ten thousand, and um we got like two and a half so it was it was a fail <laughs> uh, so i ended up uh hiring a coach uh the kickstarter guy and spent uh, about fifteen hundred bucks doing that, and went through this like whole, all this training and social media and what I mean. It's just like basically take all the people in your project and get them to con- you know email everybody they they freaking know at the start of this thing, and then get them to email them again you know a bunch of times throughout the you know throughout the campaign, and because you're gonna get these people that are initially interested. Uh, who are going to support it. And then you're going to get all these slackers who will, you know, oh, I forgot. I didn't do it yet. I'm going to go do it. And they want to. And then you're going to get these really big slackers who won't do it till the very end. Um, so it's just all about... So I think my interpretation of how it works, because I am kind of having a little bit of trouble because um, we don't, I don't have a large team of people that are kind of working with me on it. Um, it's basically me, my wife, and my parents <laughs> so we're reaching out to all, all the people we know um but if you have like and also we had the we had the we have the film shots so there's kind of maybe less incentive um for some of our other, other team members to do it i think if you did a kickstarter before you did the project you'd have like all the actors and everybody who really wants to be in the film and really wants it to happen are going to be like you know you make them you make them work a little bit before you give them dessert basically um, but if you have all those people, all these, like, you know, if, if you have a lot of people reaching out to a lot of people, then yeah, you can, you can totally fund something. It's just about like very consistent and, um, constant, uh, you know, posting on, on Facebook. And so, so, so far, uh, the 1500 that I spent, it's been definitely, definitely worth it. You know, we're about halfway through on our Kickstarter. Um, so we're, we're halfway funded and halfway through our timeline. And so hopefully you know uh, 15 days we'll, we'll actually meet our goal I, I think we will 
um, but we've kind of we've slowed down dramatically. <laughs> what kind of advice do you have for somebody who wants to get into the creature game, or for that matter, you know, filmmaking? What would you say to somebody who's just starting off? Oh, man. Um, so I think you you have to you have to know that you are going to want to do that and only that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you want to, if you want to be a filmmaker, you want to be a creature maker first, figure out if you like doing it and then just do it nonstop. And, you know, uh, yeah, find the resources and play around. And, but, but I think more, more importantly, it is that, um, I think a lot of that stuff is like, like you can make creatures, you can make, you know, you can get good shots, but I think people just need to know how to tell stories. You know, that's like the main thing. Like if you, if you have a creature, great, but if you can't tell a story with it, then that's not going to do you anything. You know, if you have a nice camera and a nice cinematographer with all these pretty lights and stuff, you can shoot a girl smoking in a car and it's going to look good, but, um, you know, that's not a story. So you better know how to write a good story. Where can people find out a little bit more about you? A good way to find me on anything is Peter Bond puppets. Um, will will pop me up. Um, but the uh, website for uh, the Kickstarter, which has like tons of photos and stuff and all, all sorts of um, uh, information about the play we did and the film, is at galaxyexpress.world. Right on. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.